1: The public seems to be fascinated with whistleblowers. Some make multi-millions for their disclosures, while others make nothing but enemies. There are quite a few films about whistleblowers and the problems they face. For example, the 1999 film, The Insider, about Jeffrey Weigand, the famous whistleblower who told inside secrets of the tobacco industry on 60 Minutes.
2: He's got something to say. He wants to say it. I want it on 60 Minutes. Maybe for the audience, it's just voyeurism, something to do on a Sunday night, and maybe it won't change a thing. And People like myself and my family, I left hung out to dry, used up, alone.
1: The Supreme Court has agreed to take up a case to consider who is a whistleblower entitled to cash awards and protection from firing under the anti-retaliation provision of the Dodd-Frank Act. Joining us is Robert Hockett, professor at Cornell University Law School. Bob, what's the exact issue the court will be considering?
2: Well, in, in in one sense, it's a finance regulatory issue, but in another sense, it's actually much broader than that. This case could have come up in connection with virtually any other uh, body of law. So the story is basically this: we've got two enactments that were recent, you know, that were made in the 21st century in the wake of scandals. On the one hand, we have Sarbanes-Oxley after the Enron scandal, and then on the other hand, we have the Dodd-Frank Act, of course, after the 2008-2009 uh, debacle. Now, both acts have whistleblower provisions in them. And here's where things get interesting. One of the acts, namely Sarbanes-Oxley, defines whistleblower in one way. The other act, the Dodd-Frank Act, defines whistleblower in a slightly different way, but also appears to incorporate by reference the Sarbanes-Oxley Act. And what that means is that Dodd-Frank ends up being ambiguous. You have, in effect, two contrary understandings of what a whistleblower should be. So the question then is what to do in a case of ambiguity like that, right? Um, now I can tell you a little bit about what we ordinarily do, um, if you like, but I, I'll wait and see if that's the next question you'd like to pose.
0: Well, well let me ask you this, Bob. What's wh- What are the kind of relative advantages of the two r- regimes, Sarbanes-Oxley and Dodd-Frank? Why does it matter uh, whether you, you're a whistleblower under Dodd-Frank if you already are under Sarbanes-Oxley?
2: Well, the Sarbanes-Oxley um, uh, definition of whistleblower makes a bit more sense than that in the Dodd-Frank Act and it's not clear that the framers or the uh the, the sort of uh, drafters of Dodd Frank actually intended their definition of whistleblowing to be contrary to Sarbanes-Oxley. In fact, it looks like it was maybe an oversight, right? there was It was such a long, complex piece of legislation and the definition was thrown in as a kind of afterthought. So the best guess is that Dodd-Frank really didn't intend anything different from Sarbanes-Oxley. Um, but, okay, so given that, what does Sarbanes-Oxley do? Well, it defines a whistleblower as somebody who first reports apparent violations within a firm to the higher-ups in the firm, giving them a chance to rectify the problem first. And only after you report to the higher-ups in the firm are you then to go outside of the firm and report to the SEC. So the plaintiff in the particular case we're talking about right now basically did that, right? He reported within the firm. The problem was, of course, as soon as he reported the violations within the firm, they terminated him. Before he could report to the SEC, right, and that's exactly why some uh, uh, Sarbanes Oxley will define a whistleblower as somebody who first tries to report within the firm and then goes outside of the firm. Dodd Frank, in what appears to have been an oversight neglected to mention the internal reporting requirement first. It simply goes straight to the you know report to the SEC idea. And that would be problematic. For one thing, it wouldn't make much sense. Um, but for another thing, it especially doesn't make sense when Dodd-Frank also incorporates, by reference, Starbanes-Oxley, which gives us that different definition of whistleblower.
1: So, Bob, how is the court likely to rule? Is it likely to make a trip to the SEC necessary or not?
2: Well, the thing is, uh, it's... It really isn't going to address that question. What it's really going to try to do is reconcile or deal with the ambiguity that you have when a statute is sort of internally contradictory, as Dodd-Frank is with respect to this particular question. And what we usually do in a case like that is we defer to the regulator that is charged with implementing the statutory scheme. That, in this case, is the SEC, and the SEC has already reconciled the problem, right? the, the, the difference. right? The SEC has said, okay, there's an ambiguity. We're going to reconcile it in favor of what's most sensible. What's most sensible is the Sarbanes-Ockley understanding of whistleblower, which we actually believe Congress meant to incorporate in full in Dodd-Frank anyway, and there was simply a scrivener's error or some such thing uh, that accounts for the full Sarbanes-Ockley definition not having been uh, sort of re-articulated in Dodd-Frank. That's what the SEC has decided. Usually the courts defer to the SEC in a case like this, if indeed the statutory language is ambiguous or internally contradictory. So my guess is that the Supreme Court will do the same. That's what the Second Circuit did, and that's, of course, the circuit from which this case is being appealed. The only reason there's a problem here is that the Fifth Circuit decided differently, and when you have a circuit split, the Supreme Court sometimes will step in, of course, to reconcile uh, or resolve that circuit split. So my guess is that the Supreme Court resolves it in favor of the Second Circuit of approach.
1: About 30 seconds here. Bob, do these awards sometimes seem ridiculously high? Uh,
2: I don't. I mean, I, I myself don't think so thus far, because if you think about it, right, the penalties that have been exacted against firms for financial fraud and other kind of financial misdoing have been pretty paltry in relation to the magnitude of the harms they've caused. Okay, and given well, that, Really. We we'll need something to, else. Right? we we'll have
1: to leave it there. Thank you. That's Bob Hockett. He's a professor at Cornell University Law School.
0: Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon, official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code radio20 at com slash Festival.